glass, bring it up the mass, no one holds you anything, I think, you need a shotgun blast, a kick in the ass, so paranoid, watch your back! Welcome to Get Loud Sports, and thanks for joining us for our second installment of this podcast. Uh, as we continue to figure out exactly what the show's going to look like, I'm hoping to get in here a couple of times a week and, and do some review, do some score updates, uh, do some uh, recaps on some local sports during the midweek. Uh, but for right now, it's uh, it's so far been a once-a-week deal. So I definitely appreciate you joining us again. Um if you get a chance, uh, share this around with a couple of people, whether you found it on Spotify, maybe you found it on Anchor, maybe you found it on our Facebook page, just give it a share. Um, like I said before, I just really enjoy doing this stuff. It's a lot more fun when there's uh, some people engaged with it. And so far, we've had a pretty darn good engagement um, just for being week one. Pretty darn happy with that. I can't lie. Um, so this week, we're going to get into some college football. It's been a really crazy week of games so far. Um, more upsets again, you know, for being early in the season, there's been a lot of action, a lot of craziness in college football so far. So we're going to go over quite a bit of that, uh, some embarrassments around, around college football as well. One of them happening right here in the state of Michigan in East Lansing, uh, Spartan fans. I hope you're all right. But what I need to know, do y'all still think talks coming? It doesn't look like last year. I'll, I'll tell you what, um, NFL week three so far uh we're recording this on Sunday most of the first two batches of games are wrapped up uh so so far we'll still have the Sunday night game and the Monday night game we won't be able to cover but the rest of it should be in the books Albert Pujols makes history by hitting home run number 700 that's huge and Aaron Judge still looking for number 62 on the season which would be great but also not so much in the conversation he's in the book right now for possibly winning a triple crown award so Let's go ahead and get into some things. We're going to start with college football here. And like I said, there are some big upsets that went down this week. Uh, Kansas State, I'm going to lead off with that one. Kansas State gets a huge one over Oklahoma. That one was unranked against number six, and that one has shook up the rankings for sure. That's a 41-34 win. And I got to tell you what, I'd say after watching that game, Kansas State football is for real. Adrian Martinez is for real. And I would tell you what, the rest of the NCAA and anybody that's got to see them the rest of this season better be on notice because what they just did to Oklahoma is is legit. That was uh that was a big one all the way through. They led that entire game all four quarters. Like I say, came down to a 41-34 win, unranked over number six. And let's take a look at the standings real quick here after that well I can tell you right now Oklahoma dropped big time after that one we'll get into a recap on the current rankings here when we get through some of the scores but yeah for right now uh that one I'm going to call that one the win of the weekend right there um Oregon barely hangs on to beat Washington State that one Washington State had control of that one almost the entire game but you know what if you've watched Oregon this year uh you know that Bo Nix is for real they managed to win that one 44 to 41 but it was not for lack of effort for Washington State, Washington State to screw that one up for Oregon. Um, does Oregon drop in the standings after that one? You know, maybe they should because they darn near let that one get away to another unranked team who uh, probably has a pretty big chip on the shoulder. Washington State's a quality program and doesn't seem to get the respect they typically deserve, but they just about screwed it up for Oregon. But again, Bo Nix had to put the program on his shoulders to pull that one out um back back in my neighborhood 
Michigan uh, just kind of hangs on to beat Maryland. That one was uh, that was dicey. Start of the first quarter all the way on. Maryland uh, gave them everything they wanted for that game. And let's see here, trying to make sure I report this one correctly. The final, yeah, it was a 34-27 uh, win. So that's a one-score game. Uh, both teams coming in at 3-0. and Maryland was unranked, however. Um, and you know you always get the argument, how good are they really? How good is the schedule that they're playing? We talked about this last time. Michigan's playing these cupcake teams. They're literally some of the worst teams in college football to start the season. Is that one going to cost them? I can't tell you that I know who in the world Maryland has played that they're 3-0, and but they weren't getting any respect from the AP or from the coaches poll. Both teams coming in at 3-0. and Michigan just barely holds on. Tulia Tungavailoa, who is Tua Tungavailoa, Tungavailoa's brother, those names. I like, Remember last week when I said I butcher names? I butcher names. There's no joke about it. Anyway, Tua's brother, Tulia, had started the game for Maryland, and he looked rock solid. And at some point during the game, uh, he went out injured, and Maryland had to go to the backup, uh, Billy Edwards, and he looked pretty darn solid too. So Maryland's got a pretty good one-two punch at quarterback there. Uh, not quite enough to hold on to it, though. Uh, Blake Corum for Michigan just put the team on his back, no doubt about it. Uh, two touchdowns and 243 total yards for Blake Corum. That kid is legit. He's going to be a lot of fun to watch this entire season. Um, so Michigan, like we said, they're 4-0 now. Uh, coming back this week, still staying at number four. A lot of people still hating on that. And even as a Michigan fan, I really can't say that I blame them when you've got uh, three blowout wins to teams that will probably not win a game this season, and then you just barely hang on to win by a score to an unranked Maryland team. I get where the haters are coming from, and I'm a Michigan fan. I get it. Trust me. I totally get it. Um, Way bigger news in the state of Michigan, though, is Minnesota just flat out embarrasses Michigan State in East Lansing. P.J. Fleck coming back to Michigan after leaving uh, Western a handful of years ago to go to Minnesota. And I'll tell you what, I am one of the biggest, biggest uh, apologists for P.J. Fleck. When he left Western to go to Minnesota, I thought he had made the biggest mistake. He took the Broncos and turned them around, turned them into a national story, uh, took their ability to recruit through the roof and had some legitimate players and legitimate teams there in Kalamazoo, um, did what he had to do there and realized that after going undefeated and winning a MAC championship, there is no opportunity to play for a national title if you're at Western Michigan, and that's really the ultimate goal of a coach that takes the job seriously. So he, uh, he made the jump to Minnesota, went to the Big Ten, uh, figuring that that was going to be his best opportunity as a coach to compete for a national title. Uh, he has really, really done what he said he was going to do for the Golden Gophers. They've been a contender. They've been a much improved program since Flight got there, and they marched into Lansing this week and absolutely clowned Michigan State. I've got to get to my numbers here. Give me one second. I'll be honest with you. I think it's about time to upgrade the router because my Wi-Fi sucks where I sit doing this. All right. So final score on this one, 34 to 7. That is that is embarrassing. For all the trash that we got to hear from Michigan State fans, if you're a Michigan fan, it's going to be awfully quiet around here this season if this is what they're going to look like. 
uh, after this game's over. You're looking at a two and two Spartans team in a four and zero Minnesota Golden Gophers football program. That is one heck of a win for them, and I got to imagine that's the only, that's all you're going to see out of Minnesota this year. Let's take a look at what they got coming up after this. So next week, um, and and breaking news after that win, Minnesota cracks the top twenty five. They're number twenty one right now. Uh, next handful of weeks, they've got Purdue two and two. That should be winnable. Three and one Illinois, very winnable game. Then you're going to get a serious competition uh, with Penn State. That is where you're going to find out if Minnesota's for real or not. If they can handle Penn State, then the rest of the Big Ten better be on notice because right now they look like they're not screwing around. So, um, big question for Spartan fans: You just gave your new head coach, new as of last season, a massive contract. I believe it's a. I maybe I'm making up the numbers here. Fact check me on the on this one if you want to. I think we're talking about 90-ish million dollars over 10 years. Am I am I exaggerating that a little bit? I don't know. Look it up. Tell me tell me how off I am. Either way, I know that uh Tucker has got a monster deal with the Spartans. Any buyer's remorse? Anybody think that they might have jumped on that one just a little bit too soon? Yep, they beat Michigan last year. That was a big one for them. Harbaugh still got to get over the hump on that one for sure. But uh, results speaking for themselves, I'm thinking I'm thinking Michigan State might be uh, maybe looking to see if they can cash that deal back in. But there's a lot of guaranteed money there, and I don't think they're going to be able to eat it. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, also upsets, Middle Tennessee State University. Um, I'm not entirely sure I've ever heard of Middle Tennessee. I don't know who their mascot is. I don't know, don't know anything about them. But what I do know is they knocked off Miami yesterday. And uh, not that Miami was looking to be any sort of like a huge powerhouse or anything, uh, but they were a ranked team. And that's that's just a bad look for Miami. That was a 45-31 upset win. Middle Tennessee State University over the U, Miami. Uh, down goes another top 25 team to another team we've never heard of that, if I'm reading this correctly, was paid roughly $1.8 million to the program to come to Miami to play them and then turns around and gets the biggest win in the history of their program. That is the only win over a top 25 ranked opponent in the history of the program. That is huge for Middle Tennessee State University. Uh, Texas Tech upsetting Texas in overtime. That's a big in-state rival win right there. Uh, Back to the numbers here. Where's that one at? Sorry, I got some scrolling to do to get back to it. Okay, that one right there, 37-34 win. So that is a field goal in overtime to win it. Going to see some shakeups in the state of Texas after that one. And right back to the uh, normal every year questioning of Texas football. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, Texas football, the Longhorns were legit, um, but it has been a long time. They seem to get themselves into the top 25 to start the season every year and then prove everybody wrong about the ranking and fall apart and lose some upset games like that. Can Texas get it back together, or is this just what we're going to get out of them for another season? Um, Let's see here. Kansas State, uh, Jayhawks take down the blue dude. I just can't talk today. Kansas State takes down the Duke Blue Devils. It's so hard to even talk about them when you're talking about football. Normally, if you're talking Jayhawks and Devils, you're talking about 
like postseason basketball in March. But right now we're talking about a couple three and oh football teams for Kansas State and Duke going into this one. Kansas State actually ends up uh, pulling this one out and they get the win on that day. And so now you've got a four and oh Kansas State football program. Are they going to get the respect they deserve? Can they crack? Oh, I'm sorry, Kansas. Kansas State was the Wildcats. They're the ones that beat Oklahoma. I got to get my notes straight here. Kansas, Kansas Jayhawks take down Duke. And are they going to get a shot now at the top 25 as well? Do we have two legit Kansas football teams with Wildcats taking down Oklahoma and with Kansas taking down Duke? Both of those teams are 3-0. and You got to respect Duke, even though they're not a football powerhouse. Both teams coming in at 3-0, Kansas getting the win. So now you got a 4-0 Kansas Jayhawk football program. Who in the world would have ever thought that? Craziness going on in college football. I'll tell you what. Uh, Clemson um, Clemson has been questionable since Trevor Lawrence ended up going to the NFL. Obviously, you know, we know he's with the Jaguars right now, been struggling. Um, but when he was with Clemson, program was, was very legit. After he took off out of there and went to the league, Clemson has been shaky. They went into this weekend ranked number five, and it took them two overtimes to take down Wake Forest. Now, Wake Forest was ranked as well going into this one, so you can't really say that they weren't a worthy opponent. But still, when the number five team in the country needs two overtimes to win 51-45, man, I'll tell you what, you got to question some things about whether or not Clemson is for real. So um, jury's still out on that one, but we'll see how they end up shaking out. I mean, they're probably all right, but that that makes you look at things. Like I said, Wake Forest was number 21 going into this week, but you got to ask yourself, can Clemson get it together? Time will tell. So let's take a look at the rankings, see where the big moves were. Texas A&M moves up six spots to number 17 after pulling off a big win uh, this weekend. But then, like we said, Oklahoma lost that one to the Kansas State Wildcats, and they dropped 12 spots. Uh, this is the AP poll down to number 18. So that is a huge loss for them. Arkansas had a big loss. They dropped from 10 to 20. That's probably realistic, thinking that the Razorbacks are going to hang around in the top 10 for the whole season. Probably not. And just like we said, Kansas State got that big win. They went from unranked to number 25, so they have cracked that top 25. Uh, Kansas, on the other hand, still sitting at 4-0. They're not on the list. They're not on the list. So still, AP not giving the Jayhawks any respect, but Kansas State does make number 25, so that's a good one for them. Anybody else? So unranked. For, oh, here you go. Number 21, Minnesota Golden Gophers, unranked last week, 4-0, and coming off that embarrassment embarrassment for the Spartans in East Lansing. Minnesota sitting number 21 coming out of this weekend. Uh, let's see here. Also unranked before this week. Let's see. Florida State sitting 4-0, sitting number 23 now. Uh, top five did not move, so Clemson still. Even after that dicey one against Wake Forest, Clemson hangs on to number five. And Wake Forest, even though they took that loss, they got some respect for sure for the fight they put up. Wake Forest only drops one spot down to number 22. So other than that, just a couple of moves here and there. Tennessee beat Florida, so they moved up three spots. That's a pretty darn solid win for them. Um, other than that, everything pretty well staying, staying close. A spot, maybe two spots. And again... The AP poll and the coaches poll don't really mean anything anyway. It's the playoff committee poll, which we won't see for a handful of weeks yet anyway. That's the one that really matters. These ones are fun to kind of keep track of 
you know, who's doing what right now and all that's great. But at the same time, they really don't mean anything. So stay tuned for the, uh, for the playoff poll. So that's about what we're looking at as far as college football goes. You know what? Actually, I got to go back to another one. And I, for the life of me, can't even remember the actual name of this team. There was a 98 to nothing beat down in college football yesterday. And I got to go back a little bit to the notes to find this. I Unfortunately, I remember the, the team that got blanked in this was Warren. I got to go back to yesterday's notes and figure out who in the world this was okay we've got stephen f austin university sfau never heard of them before no idea what conference they play in no clue they took down well it wasn't warren is warner stephen f austin over warner 98 to nothing And I watched some highlights of this towards the end of the game. In the fourth quarter, when they put their last touchdown, it went from 92 to 98, they literally had a corner playing quarterback. They had a DB playing quarterback, and they had a lineman carrying the ball for a touchdown to make it 98 to nothing. And everybody's talking about them running up the score and all that. You have to play all four quarters, and they literally had guys playing positions. They had no business playing, and they're still scoring touchdowns on Warner who got blanked in this deal. I'll tell you what, I've coached youth football. I've never coached anything above middle school football. And I've been on the receiving end as a coach of some pretty bad beatings and some kids that were hanging their heads. And, you know, you do everything you can to keep them into it and pump them up and and don't let them quit on it and all that. But I, for the life of me, have no clue what in the world you would ever tell a team that lost a game 98 to nothing. And there's a lot of people that thought, because here's the deal. They took a knee instead of running a two-point conversion to try and get 100 points out of out of decency because there was no reason to do it and embarrass these guys for Warner any more than they already had been. They took a knee, and they did not run the two-point conversion, which I can definitely respect the coach for that decision. But what in the world do you tell a group of guys that just got beat 98 to nothing? How do you even go to practice on Monday after that deal? I don't know. That's going to be interesting. I'll – uh be curious to see if I ever hear of a uh, Stephen F. Austin football ever again. I kind of doubt it, but hey, who knows? So anyway, that's a wrap on college football for this week, and we're going to move on to the NFL. So um, I made it very clear last week that I live in Michigan. I'm a Detroit sports fan. I'm a lifelong Detroit Lions fan, and I try really, really hard every year not to get in too deep on things because I just know how this goes. I get my hopes up every year. And then it never fails. We get crushed and heartbroken and, you know, maybe next year and all that. That's that's what happens. Well, first week of the season, we came out and we played the Eagles really well, lost by three. Uh, Won a great game against uh, Washington last week. Uh, Solid win there. And then going into this week, knew that we were going to have a really tough one against the Vikings. I believe that Minnesota's for real. I think they've got a very good chance of winning the division um, and Week three matchup, Vikings and Lions. Lions come out looking really strong. Uh, start the game off with a 14 to nothing lead. Um, but, you know, no lead is ever safe in the NFL. And by the time the first half was over, it was knotted up 14 to 14. Um, the Lions being how they are with the coach being how he is, uh, they take some risks. And sometimes they pay off and sometimes they don't. Well, in the second half, 
the Lions made some coaching decisions to kick some field goals that were longer than our really, really rough, to be really nice about it. Our kicker's not good. Um, kick some long field goals when you had some opportunities to go for it, went for it with some opportunities to punt and pin the Vikings deep, and ended up, unfortunately, losing 28-24. to That was a very, very hard one to stomach, and it's got a lot of people questioning Dan Campbell. Now, Twitter's going crazy. Uh, Instagram's going crazy. Everybody's calling for Campbell's head on this one um, after a lot of real questionable calls on fourth down. Um, I'm not going to go there just yet. I still am on board with Dan Campbell as head coach of the Lions, and I am not ready to sound the fire alarms just yet. Uh, Campbell is a very young head coach still. He's only just in the first few weeks of his second season as a head coach. Um, prior to this, he was a tight ends coach for the saints. And I believe that's about the extent of his coaching experience. I still believe in what the guy's trying to do in Detroit. And I believe he's going to make some mistakes as head coach. Uh, so for all the people that are out there that are calling for Campbell's head after this one, look, I'm disappointed. This was a winnable game. The lions had this one wrapped up. They had multiple opportunities to put the nail in the coffin and call this one a win. And it didn't happen. And I promise you, there's probably nobody in that locker room after that game harder on Dan Campbell than Dan Campbell himself. He's there to win. He's extremely passionate. I can't wait to go back and see the film from his post-game press conference because I guarantee you he's going to own this one. Um, so that is, it's a rough one, but it's only week three. They're one and two. Definitely not the end of the season, but there's a big difference between two and one and one and two. And it would have been really nice to come out of this one with that win that they really did play well enough to, to win this one. So tough loss for the lions. Um, but Hey, that's football sometimes now shocker in the NFL right now, the Miami dolphins are three and O and took out the Buffalo bills today. Who in the world saw that one coming? I certainly did not. How anybody, I'd like to know what the betting line was. You know, there's prop bets all over the place for anything that you'd ever want to bet on in the NFL for sure. Who in the world would have taken any kind of a bet that the Miami Dolphins would be sitting 3-0 and at this point? They beat Buffalo today 21-19. Just kind of going through the line here. Looks like, yeah, definitely a fourth quarter win um, by Miami. Uh, Tua is quietly becoming one of the better quarterbacks in the league. And I promise you, nobody saw any of this coming. It's kind of nuts. Um, so watch out for the Miami dolphins. Didn't think I'd be saying that. I'm sure nobody thought they'd be saying that at this point, but that's where we're at with it right now. Uh, just going to back down through some of the scores for today. Uh, we got the bears over the Texans, 23 to 20. Uh, Titans took down the Raiders, man. I'll tell you what, uh, the Raiders are looking a mess this year. Uh, so that's a 24, 22 win for the Titans over the Raiders Colts finally come back and get themselves a much needed win, but who in the world thought they were going to get it against the chiefs 20 to 17 Colts over chiefs. Uh, like we said, dolphins 21, 19 over the bills and the Ravens show up and take down the Patriots 37, 26. The Patriots are going to be, uh, I don't know. I don't know. We never know what we're going to get out of them. Can they ever get it back? Can they ever get back to dynasty level New England Patriot football? 
unfortunately for Mac Jones and for Bill Belichick, that is the standard. That is what Patriot fans want to see is dynasty level football. And I'm not entirely sure they're, they've got it in them. Uh, let's see. Bengals take down the Jets 27-12. Eagles over Washington 24-8. Philadelphia is legit, guys. Um, they are on a tear so far. I believe that puts them at 3-0. and And that's a big win over Washington. You got the Panthers uh, 22-14 over the Saints. Jaguars take down the Chargers 38-10. Wouldn't have seen that one coming. Uh, Rams finally look like they've got things figured out. They started off looking really rough week one. Now they're sitting 2-1. and one. Uh, 20 to 12 over the Cardinals Falcons get one over Seattle 27 23 final in there I'll tell you what this game I watched this this was a rough one Packers over Bucks 14 to 12 the <laughs> Tampa Bay looks rough uh Green Bay started off looking really good and then they turned one over in the end zone could have been a score and instead they coughed it up and both teams offenses just looked really really bad this week it wasn't even that defense was great on either side of the ball the offense looked rough interesting enough i didn't know this before the game started but tampa bay went out and picked up uh cole beasley so hey cole beasley back in the nfl again good for him um so that's kind of where we're at on football right now oh thursday night game uh browns beat the steelers 29 17 jacoby Brissett looking to be legit in cleveland right now um and the steelers are not looking to be legit at all at anything so that's going to be a rough season in pittsburgh no doubt about it uh still to come tonight uh sunday night game is san francisco and denver and we'll see if jimmy garoppolo can get a second win for the niners down there and then tomorrow night we've got the cowboys and the giants so you've got a division game there as well uh should be a good one we'll see if uh cooper rush is the chosen one as a lot of cowboys fans think he might be i'm not seeing it i think Dak's still got to be the guy there but we'll see and then uh the giants sitting at two and oh so that's crazy we'll see if they can make that three and oh and take a commanding lead in that division uh so that's where we're at there now uh we're gonna switch over to baseball real quick like we said albert pujols finally knocks number 700 he hit 699 and 700 in the same night at dodger stadium that is a massive accomplishment and it's so cool to see him pull it off and looking like the albert pujols of old He's playing great. He's back with the Cardinals, and he's really looking like he's legit again. And it's almost sad to see that he's going to be calling it a career after this season because he looks like he's got years left in him now. I definitely didn't see that coming, but uh, Albert Pujols is looking legit. Um, Now, big question that comes up with him hitting that 700th home run is there are four players in the official record books with a history of 700 home runs. It's obviously Babe Ruth. It's Hank Aaron. It's Albert Pujols, and it's Barry Bonds. Do we take that seriously? Is Bonds' record legit, or does that need to be in the record book with an asterisk next to it? Or do we just take all the steroid-era baseball players, give them their own record book, and we just don't talk about them anymore? That's kind of what I'd like to do. I'd like to take them all, put them in a different list. These guys are all juiced. We know it, and we don't even talk about them mixed in with the rest of major league baseball's history books in my opinion you've got three players in the history of baseball with 700 legitimately hit home runs it's it's babe ruth it's hank aaron and now it's albert pujols and it couldn't be happier for the guy uh off the field he is a genuinely uh good guy and 
it's really, really cool to see him winding down his career, hitting these milestones that everybody knew that would happen at some point. You got to wonder if you wouldn't have gone out to the Angels for a handful of years and could have just stayed in St. Louis if this would have happened sooner. Who knows? I guess it doesn't matter to ask, but it makes you wonder, right? And then right along with that, we've got Aaron Judge looking for number 62 uh, on the season. That's the big number right there for a regular season home run uh, number to try to hit. He's sitting at 60 right now. I know I had a watch come up on my phone just a minute ago to see if he could hit that 61st. I don't believe that he has. Uh, I would be shocked if he does not get to 62 this season. Um, even even right along with that, though, he is in the in line for winning a triple crown this year. Uh, and if you're not familiar with that, the triple crown means that you led your league, so the American League, uh, you led your league in batting average, RBIs, and home runs for the season. Uh, the last guy to pull that off was Miguel Cabrera back in 2012, so 10 years ago. It's kind of crazy to think time has flown that fast. Um, but Aaron Judge could pull it off. Right now, he is in a solid lead for all three categories. And as much as I can't stand the Yankees, uh, Judge is a class act and deserving of all the all the honor he's getting for the numbers he's put up this year. But the big question is, will he be a Yankee next year? I believe this is the last year on his contract, and they did not work out a new deal before this season started. So that is going to be the talk of baseball for sure if and when the Yankees season ends, uh, whether they make a run all the way to the World Series or they or they fall a little short, whatever their season looks like, the big conversation for the Yankees is going to be, can they keep Aaron Judge in the Bronx? So that'll be interesting. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back with our local sports wrap-up for the week. Welcome back to Get Loud Sports. It is time to get into our local sports wrap-up. We're going to try to do this every single week, uh, whether it's football season, basketball season, baseball season, whatever it happens to be. There's a lot of local sports to cover, and we're going to do our best to get into the majority of it. Um, my focus, obviously, uh, because I'm a football coach, is going to be football here in St. Joe County. Um, but I'm going to try to cover everything as much as I possibly can in the area, too. There's a lot of other great fall sports right now. Cross country's going on. Um, we've got volleyball. We've got, uh, let's see, soccer's going on. I'm going to try and get what I can get locally. If you're listening to this and you've got some local sports to report that maybe I'm not getting to, um, send it to me. I'll gladly report whatever you've got, whether it's uh, whether it's your team, whether it's your kid's team, whoever it is. Let me know if you're in the St. Joe County area and I'm missing out on what you guys are doing. Let me know about it and I'll gladly cover it. Uh, for right now, we're going to get a rundown on St. Joe County area football. Uh, this last weekend, mostly Friday night games. I believe one of these was played on Saturday, but here's what we're looking at right now. Uh, Division 8, we had uh, Centerville locally taking down a White Pigeon. 40-28, to 28. that's a big win for the Bulldogs. We had kind of been questioning what Centerville football was really looking like, and we knew that White Pigeon was coming into this season looking pretty strong, but Centerville gets that win, 40-28. to 28. Uh, And then we got Sturgis with a big win over Otsego, 42-6. to six. Uh, Three Rivers falls, unfortunately, to Gull Lake, 38-26. to 26. Uh, You know what? I was looking over some of the box score on this one. Uh, like I think I told you guys last week, I actually grew up in Three Rivers. I'm in Constantine now, but originally from Three Rivers. And it is kind of crazy for me to look at the box score on this one. The first quarter scoring for the Wildcats 
is a seven-yard touchdown pass to Drew McLean from Caleb Quake. And it is making me feel really, really old for guys that I went to school with to have their kids uh, ringing up touchdowns for the Wildcats, still in Three Rivers. Um, so you got multi-generation uh, Wildcats there, still getting it done in Three Rivers. So that's really cool to see. Uh, let's see. And then we're going to look at... It's amazing how much eight-man football we've actually got in our county now. We've got Menden taking down Goebbels 36-6. to uh, It's good to see Goebbels back on the football field this year, even if they are down to eight-man. They had to cancel their program last year because of a lack of uh, participation. Um, so I, as much as I'm not a, I'm not big on the idea of eight man, if you don't really have to Goebbels was obviously in a position where it was that or nothing. And I'm glad to see, uh, the Tigers back out there playing football. So, uh, they fall to Menden, uh, 36 to six, but glad to see Goebbels back on the field. Uh, Colin takes care of Pittsford 52 to nothing. Colin just on a tear this year. And then North Adams, Jerome takes out Baroque 38 to nothing. Um, and then the game I was at on Friday night, the Constantine Falcons take down the Waterville Panthers 60 to 21. Uh, and it was 60 to 14 until just a little bit of time left. To be honest with you, uh, coach pretty much had the JV on the field for the majority of the fourth quarter and they won their game Thursday night, 42 to nothing. Uh, so overall is a complete domination of Constantine over Waterville this week as far as football is concerned that one kind of surprising to me the waterville panthers are typically a really solid football program uh both at the jv and varsity level so it's kind of i mean i i'd be a liar if i didn't tell you i expected to win i definitely did not expect a blowout like this one uh we went down the field the constantine went down the field and scored pretty easily on the very first possession waterville came right back drove the field scored on their first possession and I thought, okay, we're in for a game here, and then not so much. So, unfortunately, I do not have the breakdown on the score and the yardages. Uh, like I told you last week, I am getting the majority of my local sports from JoeInsider.com. They do an excellent job of compiling stats and information and highlights uh, from the area, no doubt about it. Unfortunately, I do not have uh, the breakdown on that game here in front of me. I am going to see what I can do to start collecting that information myself and we'll be a little bit more detailed for you next week. Um, coming up this week for Constantine football is homecoming week. Uh, we've got Allegan coming to town Friday night. We are expecting a big game from our Falcons this Friday night. So uh, stay tuned to that and we'll, uh, we'll definitely be on it. Um, on, in addition, like I said, I'm going to try to cover more than just football football is my favorite sport of the fall no doubt about it but there are other sports going on uh we did have a great cross country meet for our falcons this week um we've got a bangor invitational um and we've got ethan glick for constantine taking second at that at the bangor individual meet um second play that i can't imagine being able to do this i believe the cross country Run is 3.1 miles, hills, woods, all that. I certainly am no kind of runner, but Ethan finished second uh, with a time of 17 minutes and 3.2 seconds. That's huge. Uh, the Constantine boys team finished eighth overall, and the Lady Falcons cross-country team came in in 14th place at that same meet. Uh, in addition to that, uh, Constantine's uh, men's soccer team went on a tear this week. Um, 
brutal honesty, up until this season, Constantine's history of playing soccer has not been the prettiest thing. Uh, two or three wins in the five-year history of the program uh, coming into this season. But the work that these guys have been putting in is starting to pay off. Uh, they started the season early on with a handful of wins. I believe they had a 3-3-1 three, three and one record for a little while. Went on a little bit of a losing streak. But this last week, uh, they had three games and won all three. So that is huge. So on Monday, uh, Constantine Soccer takes down the Lawton Blue Devils. Uh, with a score of three to two, and then Tuesday, two to one win over Berrien Springs, and then Thursday they wrapped up their week with a two to nothing win over Parchment. So right now, uh, the Constantine soccer team is looking pretty darn solid. Um, with the season sort of kind of starting to look towards the end and look towards the postseason. So right now, uh, we are definitely looking at the best season that Constantine men's soccer has had in the history of, a, of its program. Um, and it'll be really cool to see where they can go coming out of, of these wins. So let's, uh, let's keep an eye on that. And I will definitely continue to cover Constantine soccer. If you know me personally, Soccer is definitely not my favorite sport, but you know what? If we're going to play it here in Constantine, I want those Falcons to win. And right now, they are tearing it up. So I am very proud to see those guys doing what they're doing with that. So we're going to call that a wrap for this week. Hope you guys have enjoyed it. Um, next week, you know what? We're not even going to say next week. I'm going to say midweek. We're going to come back with another recap on whatever's going on in the sports world uh, after tonight. We'll have uh, some updates on the Sunday night and Monday night football games. Uh, maybe Aaron Judge will have gotten that 60-second home run. Maybe we'll have a little bit more of a clear picture of his chance at the Triple Crown. And if you've got some local sports news to report, go ahead and send it my way, and I will gladly report it. So uh, until next time, this is the coach.